Burks on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey dude, you too must be from Marin. Marin County's A-OK, from Tamastin and all the way to M.A. Fresh organic veggies in the market every day. Welcome to the Run TMC podcast. That is the Run the Marin County podcast, podcast about basketball in the Marin County. I am Duffy Ballard, and with me is David Levine, Coach David Levine, coming off of a win yesterday in the BCL playoffs over the Marin Academy. Dave, how are you today? We're in your kitchen, by the way, and we're having some chilled coffee. Chilled, not iced and you called me David, which makes me think I'm in trouble, <laughs> Dustin. But well, no, I'm correlation, chilled coffee, not iced coffee, Dave versus David. It's just, we're just mixing it up. I'm doing great. You, we're, we're going to get to the playoffs, but very proud of your team and their playoff efforts, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But first off, you wanted to mention something. We have a, we have an early player control. A little, yeah, we're going player control really early in this game. Okay, an early foul, a very early foul. You know, hopefully uh, this doesn't turn into four fouls in the first half situation. But yes, thank you to the Marin Independent Journal and to our friend Derek Wilson. Does a really good job. They had, I would say, an excellent profile of our podcasting effort, Dave. Yes, and. We want to thank them for correcting what I described as a couple of factual hiccups that may have occurred in the print edition or probably did occur in the print edition yeah. and now have been corrected online. Yes. And uh, so first of all, I have never met Mike Sia's father. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In the, in the article, which by the way, was a great article on us. We got a bunch of messages saying that uh, people people like the article that Derek wrote about us, but he, he mentioned that Duffy played for Mike Sia and Mike Sia's father 40 years ago. That was should have been should have said Mike Fulton. Correct. Yeah. So that's been corrected. That's been corrected. And I, I believe Mike Sia texted us and said something about spitting his coffee against the wall. Yeah, no, but no, it was it was funny. But, yeah. Anyway, yeah, easy, easy mistake to fix. And then quick correction uh, because my my friends at Kaiser Permanente wanted to make sure that uh, people uh, out there are aware that I do work for Kaiser Permanente, not Marin Health Medical Center. Although Marin Health Med Medical Center is a wonderful place and we we do a lot of collaborative work with them and their leadership. Good clarification. Mm -hmm. But overall, appreciate Derek writing that about us and appreciate everything that the IJ does for keeping people informed on Marin sports. They do a fantastic job. Absolutely. And in part because they do such a good job, we're not going to have to do a really in-depth update with regards to the MCAL playoffs. Today is Friday, February 9th, and the final of the boys Varsity is tonight at Redwood, and the final of the girls is tomorrow at Terrellinda. Terrellinda, the yeah. new gym. Yep. So tonight, Branson plays Redwood, and yet again, I think, I don't know, this is a, I don't know how many times they've faced each other in the MCAL championship game. Third, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Well, wasn't Archie in the championship Archie game was, a couple yeah, years that, ago? Yeah, that was yeah the, the Will year. So right, that, well. That would have been four years ago. Yeah. So... Branson beat Marine Catholic in the semifinal pretty handily. 
and then Red would beat Archie in an unbelievable game that I was at, that Duffy was on the sidelines for. Just an incredible game. So Branson Redwood tonight would be a lot of fun. And then tomorrow night on the girls' side, Redwood faces Marine Catholic. MC beat Branson, and Redwood beat San Marin in the semifinals. So congratulations to all the teams who made the finals. Yep. I just a little announcement plea to the, the Redwood student body, or any student body, and that is if your team gives up a 24-point lead in the second half and barely squeaks out a win, mm-hmm. in, perhaps in some part due to a very questionable late-game call, maybe don't storm the court afterwards. Just maybe don't storm the court and heckle. Public service announcements. Yes. That too political, Dave. That's okay, Duff. I'm going to let you do it. <laughs> I will say a quick plug for the Bay Counties League. On the boys' side, University beat San Domenico in the semifinals. Urban upset Stewart Hall in the other semifinals. So University boys play Urban for the title on Saturday at Keysar Pavilion. On the girls' side, uh, my San Domenico team beat Marin Academy yesterday. University beat Lick. So once again, it'll be San Domenico versus University on the girls' side in a rematch of last year's title game at Keysar on Saturday. And then... After these playoffs are done, we get into North Coast section, which will be fun. Yeah. And more to come on NCA. Yes. Very soon. Yes. I want to mention before we go on to our next segment that there was a meeting last night of MCAL coaches. And so they are going to be choosing their player of the year and the first team, second team, third team. So we'll hopefully know that fairly soon. And that they're also going to be talking about tweaks to the schedule, if any, for next year. So this has been an area that we've been, a topic that we, has been brought up again and again. You go back to the round robin, you go back to hybrid round robin, right. you maybe play some games in December and maybe play 12 league games. Do you allow all the teams to to get a shot of the playoffs? You have six, you know, so hopefully my plea, my hope is that there'll be some more inclusion that allows for more home games in the league and more inclusion into the playoffs next year. I'll be interested to see the outcome of that meeting. And I will say uh, Fulton and I were at the same meeting for the Bay Counties League this week where we selected player of the year and all league teams for both the boys and the girls. And so we will announce that when it's official. But that was a uh, that you was know, you know, you know, you I know the results. I know it, but I can't tell you. I think I know too. Can tell you, but then I have to kill you, Duff. <laughs> okay, moving on. What's next? We are going to JV. Man, I kind of would like to do sponsors now, but let's do the JV. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, I think we haven't talked a lot about the the lower levels of play at the high school level, but you know these are you know boys and girls that are putting in a lot of effort. They play in most cases the same number of games as the varsity, or you know the vast majority of cases, but they don't have a postseason. So the JV and freshman teams uh, just wrapped up their seasons last week, and so we had we did some outreach and we had some outreach to us and got some recaps of some of the top teams here in Marin, uh, and special thanks to Tessa White, who is the mom of Harry White, who played for the Redwood uh, JV, and I'm pretty sure he will be playing varsity uh, next year. I think he's on the sideline in khakis. Yeah, so Harry was the only freshman to get pulled up to JV on that team, and they had a great season. The Redwood boys were able to to win the league under their coach, Khalil Murphy. They went 14-4, and four, very good season, and yeah, a number of those boys on that team, six of them, are now on the sidelines for the for the varsity playoffs. They're in, in street clothes, but right behind the bench and kind of practicing with the team and, and involved in the postseason. Including, and player control here, I'm reading Tessa's note, it's not Harry White, it's Harrington White. Right. right. That's a great name. Just like I'm Dave and David. 
the Redwood Frosh team on the boys' side, they had really good year. A lot of talent on that team, players that you and I have coached before the high school level, including Eddie Poser. And that team ended up, I believe, going 24-1. and one, Yes. Dave, and the only loss we talked about on this podcast back in December. Yes. So that was my son Holden and his freshman team coming back from a huge deficit to beat them in the San Rosa tournament final in overtime. But nice. yeah, they, a very strong team, a lot of depth, really disruptive on defense and get out and run, bunch of guys can shoot the ball. So they have a, a pretty good future in the pipeline at Redwood. And then real quick on the, the girls side, there was no girls freshman league. Redwood and Tam, I think, were the only teams that had freshman teams. The Redwood girls had a fantastic season under KK, Caden Korst. Girls side, we have a, a quick clip from our friend Tony Butler, who is the San Marin varsity girls coach, celebrating the success of the San Marin JV girls squad, which went 23-2, and 8-0 in league, and won the league. So here's Tony. Take it away, Tony. Hey, what's up, guys? Coach Tony Butler here over at San Marin High School on the girls side, calling to check in before playoff basketball just calling to reach out and give my jv squad some love uh, the girls went 23 and 2 8 and 0 in league and brought home the jv banner uh, this year so we're super proud of them and they deserve some credit for just plowing through everybody in front of them led by a couple freshmen avery bishop and eliana shram and a couple returning players caitlin burke olivia mafai and sophie dempsey all contributed but with such a small roster of only 10, 9 for the back end of the season, we got contributions from all of them on a nightly basis. So super proud of them and can't wait to see what they do going forward. A special thanks to my coaches, Billy Reed and Lincoln Green, for their dedication and commitment to the program around the calendar. Just so lucky to have them as well. And that's it for now. Looking forward to some playoff at NCS basketball. Can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. That's about it for now. See you in the gym. All right. Uh, thank you, Tony. And also thank you to the gentleman with the leaf blower outside. <laughs> All right. So, Dave, let's talk sponsors. Love it. Okay. We have some re-ups on the layup. Uh, and these sponsors get a nice little mention. Would you like to mention these sponsors for us? I'd be thrilled. Karen Horsmeyer Real Estate. Thank you, Karen, for your all of your support and your fabulous episode as well. Go back and listen to that one. So Karen Horsmeyer Real Estate, uh, really appreciate you. And if you're buying or selling a home, call Karen. And then the night camps at San Domenico, Jeff Skaggs. I just saw, I was going through the, through the hub intersection and saw on a bus stop that there's a big flyer up there yep. big poster recruiting at yeah nice nice job jeff and the the staff for san dominico summer camps and medium where anyone can read write and find an audience listeners of the run tmc podcast who have never subscribed to medium will receive 25 percent off their first year of medium membership by going to medium.com forward slash discount and entering the discount code all caps run tmc no space that is a run, R-U-N-T-M-C, not a runt MC. Runt Mick. Okay. Heather Sager. Thank you. And let's focus on our menu item of the day from the hub. Usually, Dave, I will get a burger when I go to the hub. Mm -hmm. 
but I would say maybe 20% of the time, I'm going to look after my body with a superfood salad. You want to know what's in a superfood salad? Uh, looking at your body, I would love to know how, how that <laughs> happens. Kale. Number one, kale. Baby spinach, edamame, beets. I love me some beets. And it's not too many, but like a little, you know, spattering of beets in a salad. Sure. Roasted sweet potatoes, avocado. I'm not a huge avocado in a salad guy, Dave. So I usually put that on the side. Oh, I'd give it to my wife. That's, I got a bone to pick with you on that one, but go ahead. Keep going. Uh, sweet walnuts. Ooh. The dried cranberries. I love cranberries in salad. I love them in bran muffins too, but this is, that's a different topic. Crispy quinoa and couscous. And that is all dressed in a basil lemon vinaigrette. And I usually add some protein. I'm not adding the vegan patty. Okay. It's not really my, my thing, but I will usually add crispy chicken or maybe the chicken breast. Okay. One of those two. I have, uh, I have an issue with your avocado stance. I also don't know if I love the cranberry stance, but let's agree to disagree. There are other options for you and you can custom the salad however you would like, Dave, at the hub. I love the hub. The hub in San Salmo. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, hub. Yep. Okay. I wanted to make one mention of a thing that happened in my CYO practice this week, Duff, if I may. Mention the... granted. Thank Motion you. to mention has been granted. Thank you, Dustin. So I'm coaching uh, my daughter, Addie's 6B St. Sebastian girls team. And we're learning the game. And one thing that I've been doing in practice with my coach, fellow coaches is four-on-four -four scrimmaging with no dribbles because our, our girls tend to catch the ball. And the first thing they do is put their head down and dribble. And that drives me nuts. So we started doing scrimmage with no dribbles. So they have to pass. If they get stuck, they can use a coach as a safety valve. And the girls complained and you know moaned about how annoying it was. I will say our last game, we lost, but we were in it. And our passing had never been better. And so after doing this scrimmage with no dribbles thing for a couple weeks, it's starting to work. And I was saying to Duff, you and I were playing pickup with Tom Poser and a few others last weekend. And I was saying to Tom that this drill works. And Tom said, you know, drills work. <laughs> so that was a, a deep thought from Tom Poser. But just a, a, a plug to the coaches out there that if you're struggling with having your kids dr over dribble, try to have them scrimmage without dribbling. And it it works. They figure it out. Yeah, we've done a lot of this, especially in the half court, half court, three on three yeah. with, you know, with a coach as an outlet. And uh, yeah, I think it, it does make a difference. Now you still have, to, you have to repeat it because I have found that it does help and it makes a difference, but there's a regression to the previous, you know, ball centric play can, it, can occur within an hour or maybe a day or maybe a week, but it usually does recur unless you keep on emphasizing and this leads to me to my quote that I was going to include in the last episode, but it's perfect now, Dave, and it is called the playmaker's advantage. Focus on the ball. You're thinking small. Focus on space. You'll own the place. And that's obviously when you're not able to dribble, you got to focus on how to get open and reading space. We've talked about this before, but yep. the skill in your interaction with space and the best players really do dominate space like you know, a guy like lebron or a guy like curry they dominate it in different ways yeah but they dominate space great quote love that one excellent 
Well, Dub, should we get on to introduce our, our guest? We could, but first, Dave, we said we we're going to talk NCS. Oh, we're gonna I'm sorry. Do, we are going to do uh, a sort of quick, it wasn't so quick in what our friend Ethan Castle, who's great, really detailed mind and a lot of detailed information. He said it's a, a nine-minute clip with an overview of the open division on the boys' side and where we currently stand here on Friday, February 9th, and the six teams that are likely to make it with a bit of a bubble there. And we're going to play a clip from his contribution. Great. Which remains to be clipped by me. Okay. At some point in the near future. And but also just to summarize, it looks like Branson is pretty much locked into a three seed. Maybe if they lose tonight, that could drop them. And then university is likely to be number six. But if they were to lose, then that can be in question. And huh. said so, anyway, we will know soon that those six, uh, we talked about this before, they're 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 picked based on their max prep ranking. Right. And we'll provide more in-depth NCS seeding information for all the divisions next week because those seedings come out uh, this weekend on Sunday, on Super Bowl Sunday. Yep, Sunday, exactly. Hello once again, this is Ethan Castle of Bay Preps Insider checking in, talking with you guys at Coach Duffy's request about the NCS Open Division. So for those of you unfamiliar, it is a six-team field with the one and two seeds each getting buys. All games hosted by the higher seed except for the championship game, which will presumably be at St. Mary's. I think at this point, Friday, February 9th, we know who five of the six teams will be for sure. And the sixth, we have a pretty good idea of the candidates. So I think you can split this into a couple of categories. There's a clear top two or three between Salesian, De La Salle, and Branson. I think it will be hard for anyone other than Salesian or De La Salle to be the one and two seeds. Even if De La Salle was to lose to San Ramon Valley in the EBAL championship game, I think the overall body of work would have to get De La Salle into that two seed. As of now, I think Branson's the three, although if SRV wins on Saturday, they could jump Branson. Branson still has to win that MCAL tournament championship Friday night at Redwood. That should be a lot of fun as well. So I would think as of now, SRV's the four. Again, if they were to win at De La Salle Saturday, maybe they move up to the three. I think that's your next tier. SRV and Granada teams that are safely in. And then comes the sixth seed. And there are a couple of candidates. Bishop O'Dowd was talked about, but after they lost to Berkeley last Friday, those talks seem to have faded away. So I think the last spot really comes down to University and Clayton Valley. University, super experienced, senior-heavy team. Maybe the least intimidating team you'll ever see when they walk into the gym. Only a couple of guys that are over 6'3". Nobody who's, you know, like, chiseled or anything, but they press you like crazy. They rotate in 13 guys. They can all shoot. They move lightning quick. And they are a problem for pretty much anyone. I mean, you look at who they've lost to all year. You look at the fact that they have a win over Reardon. They've been a very impressive team and will either be at the top of D3 or could get that last open seed, which I think leaves it to Clayton Valley, who has a really interesting resume and has been a hard team to figure out all year. Now, they are 21-7 and with losses to Branson, Sheldon, Crespi, Bellerman, 
Capital Christian, and then a couple of league losses to Ignacio Valley by 27 and College Park. But the Capital Christian, Ignacio, and College Park losses came without their two best players. I don't think those are things that the seeding committee is supposed to really take into account, but they play at Ignacio Saturday night for the DAL tournament championship. And if they win that, I think they have a pretty compelling argument. So stay on your toes. I'm really looking forward to brackets coming out this weekend, not just for the open division, but all the way from D1 down through D6. Hope to see you in person come playoff time. And if you're looking for my coverage, don't forget baypreptsinsider.substack.com. Okay, we're now on to our guest, Carrie Husbands Barrett, Barrett Midname, star at Novato, and then at Cal, and now currently down in San Clemente, where she lives with her husband, Julian, and their two kids, Julian. Great guy, medical school classmate of mine. He joins us at the very end of this interview. Uh, he and I played a lot of rec league ball together when we were in medical school and then living in Philadelphia. So great family, friends of friends of mine and now friends of yours, Dave. And uh, Carrie just has a, a great perspective as a coach, player, parent, and also someone who spent quite a bit of time working and instructing on strength and conditioning. We don't get into it a lot in the interview. We'll talk a little bit about it on the outro, but her daughter Kylie is a really good player freshman there at San Clemente High and is already getting division one offers yeah I think it's important to for that context we, we mentioned Kylie a few times and and Carrie talks about her as does Julian but we didn't point out that that Kylie is as a freshman already getting d1 offers and you know is going to be playing on national TV in a couple of years so legit this was a great interview. Carrie's, I've known of Carrie Barrett my whole life. I'd never met her before, but she's just one of the short list of names that you hear about as kind of the legendary women's basketball players from Marin. So awesome to talk to her. Agreed. All right, let's go to the interview and we'll talk after. All right. We are live and we have a fabulous guest, Carrie Husbands, maiden name Carrie Barrett. Thank you for joining us, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So, Carrie came to us through Duffy and Carrie, our old pals, and Carrie's a name that we had not met before. I'm very excited to meet you, but I've heard of you forever because you're a legend in Marin, one of the best basketball players to ever come out of the county, and also a fantastic basketball coach and a current coach. So we're going we're gonna to go through Carrie's amazing career. So I'll give her background so that our listeners get up to speed. So Novato High School, 1992 graduate. Correct. Yeah. Hornets. Go Hornets. Absolutely. We had Michelle Bravelli-Smith on. She's the athletic director there now, Carrie. Yep. We're going to talk about you and Michelle battling it out later. She then went to University of California at Berkeley. Duffy, we call that Cal. Oh, really? Uh, Which conference are they in? Cal too. Yeah. What, co- what conference is Cal in now? I don't even know. Don't AI yeah, now. We'll, we'll, we'll sing a requiem for the Pac-10 later. She's a graduate of Cal in 1996, so she started as a, as a recruited walk-on and then earned herself a scholarship, much like our prior guest, Alex mm-hmm. Pribble. First of all, at, at Novato, she was a four-year varsity soccer and basketball star. They won multiple league titles on the soccer side. She was a four-time all-league selection. And then in basketball, league champions in 89 and 90, CIF runner-up in 89, CIF champs in 1990. 
three-time all-league selection, league co-MVP in 1992 with Duffy, Michelle Brevelli. Brevelli. I love her. Michelle Brevelli. At Cal, Carrie was earned herself a scholarship, as I said, and then was a three-year starter. She was a team captain her senior year. She was three times Pac-10 all-academic team. And then in 1996, Carrie won the Anna Espenshade Award. Is that yeah, correct? that's correct. Yeah. Awarded to the female athlete who best represented Cal athletics, both on and off the court. That is an awesome honor. Yeah, it was one of my proudest awards I've ever won, for sure. That is that is super cool. So following her her playing days at Cal, she then went into into coaching, right? And coached at Cal as an assistant for a bit and then became an assistant strength and conditioning coach mm-hmm. as she received her master's in exercise physiology and then had a long career as a strength and conditioning coach at Cal and then at UCLA and for the last 10 years has been coaching high school basketball down in Southern California at San Clemente High School. You got it. And Wrapped it all up. Yep. <laughs> Carrie, I'm a professional podcaster. I'm really- yeah. <laughs> you guys do a great um, job. <laughs> so uh, really excited to have you. A great, great experience. And like some of the other guests we've had, Carrie has experience both as a fantastic player at the Division One level as a coach. And she herself and her husband have some kids who are also talented athletes. And we're going to talk about that. She's actually coaching her daughter right now on her high school team. So, so we'll get into that. But Carrie, I thought we could start with just, I love to learn about the process and, and kind of progress of great players and how you started out. So I assume you grew up in Novato. Is that right? Yep. Born, born in San Francisco and raised in Novato and yeah, great place to so grow up. When did you first start playing hoops? You know, I, you, I was trying to remember, I, I don't exactly remember when. I think it was through Novato Parks and Rec. And I can't remember if it was like third grade or second grade. I played soccer before that. I played soccer from a young age, uh, AYSO. And at that time, when I first started, there were no girls leagues. So I played mm. with the boys, which was great. And I did that for a couple of years. And at some point, you know, I was always tall. And I don't know, my parents were phenomenal sports parents. Like they, they just threw me into whatever and, and yeah. just let me go. And I think I started at Novato Park and Rec. And from there, I got picked up on a, a CYO, St. Anthony's team. Oh, so, the evil empire, Carrie. Yeah, I was St. Anthony's. <laughs> of course you were. So were you, were you battling Michelle Brevelli even during CYO? Yes. Yeah. I think they were St. Rita's, right? Is that? I, I think she was St. Sylvester's. St. Sylvester's. Yeah, I can't remember. I, yeah, I remember all those girls, the San Rafael. It was pretty much the whole San Rafael team. Yeah. When I was, yeah, coming up. So when you played when you played CYO, were you were you really good? It, like even in sixth, seventh, eighth grade? Yeah, I always I so I had a great youth experience. I think I got picked up on a club soccer team and it was basically I was playing a little bit up a couple years up and it was basically the same basketball. We played soccer and basketball together. So it was uh, the Vanden Torn sisters, if you yeah, know Andy, Danny, TV Vanden Torn, yep. Melissa Perkins, Cindy Fife, yep. Amanda Montgomery. I mean, it, essentially, the entire basketball team was also my soccer team. So we were playing at that time, we would play club soccer in the fall and the spring, and we would play basketball in the winter and the summer. 
and we would just bounce back and forth. And I was the youngest of the group, so I was able to play up. And then depending when they all started going to high school, I I had some other great players that I was playing with that were my age level. But it was a lot of fun. And I think spoke to our success when we did get into high school because we'd all grown up playing not just basketball, but playing soccer together too. So we had a lot of really good chemistry. And one of the recurring themes that we we touch on in these interviews is the value of playing multiple sports. And, you know, when I was growing up, I remember I, I was always encouraged to just fo- really focus, right? And you got to play all year round if you want to be really good in a sport. And, and I, I get that, but it's interesting to hear you talk about. Here you are. You were a fantastic a sport athlete. Big multi-sport believer. I think yes. you play as many sports as you can for as long as you can. Plenty of time, especially at a young age. Yeah. I mean, play everything. Don't specialize early. If if you're good, you're going to be good. And I think just, I I think I became, I was a much better basketball player because of soccer. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, for sure. Question from Duffy: Does tennis count as a sport, or we were putting that uh, off to over to the I side? Think that's wow! Late in life, yes. So yes, it does. But I didn't start playing that until I'm an adult up here. So now I do play a lot of tennis. Yes, pickleball. Pickle- that was pickleball. Yeah. Question is pickleball. The answer is no. <laughs> okay. All right. We just right. got awesome. that out of the way. Okay. Well, so basically, we just we just eliminated our entire listener base because everybody in the world plays pickleball. <laughs> I'm just so, a little salty because our local club, they just gave away a couple more tennis courts to pickleball. So, you know, it's it's hard to get on the courts. My my wife is a is a tennis fiend and she we, we like pickleball too, but she's bemoaning the fact that pickleball is taking over the inventory of tennis courts. Yeah, yeah. Carrie, did you play pickup growing up? Pickup basketball? You know, there wasn't for me there wasn't a lot of pickup opportunity. I was, you know, when I've been listening to your podcast and I'm hearing about all these runs, I think yeah. I was fortunate. I had a couple things that went my way. One is my dad installed a basket in our driveway. So I just, I spent hours upon hours just shooting in the driveway. It was my fun. It was my release. Yeah. Um, you know, I developed a fantastic baseline jumper because it was on this hill. So I had to make that shot. Otherwise, I'd have to chase the ball down to a neighbor's house and get crawl under bushes and stuff like that. So I I actually made it a game. Like I had to hit that shot to challenge myself so I couldn't run down the hill. It's um, true pressure shooting. Right? It, it was. So, you know, but that was just me in the driveway for hours upon hours. I was really fortunate that Larry Perkins, Melissa Perkins's father, took me on at a very young age. He coached us at St. Anthony's and he was instrumental to me at a young age, like teaching me fundamentals. And he was the guy that he just was just an absolute gym rat and kind of instilled that in me always. So I was shooting in his driveway all the time too. And then he was also the one like in the summer, he'd just swing by and pick me up and we would drive, you know, he'd take Melissa and I down to literally like Drake JV boys, summer league games and we would sit in the stands the entire time i wasn't there so much because i wanted to watch drake jv boys when i was that age it was more because i wanted to actually shoot in a real gym and i couldn't wait till halftime so i could run out there i was the one that shot at every halftime like at every game and my parents were so supportive they would take us i don't know does the mcal still play the boys and the girls are stacked at night so like yes Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, girls by first and boys. We don't do that here. And I really wish we we did. I think it's such a great atmosphere. But I would show up. My mom would pack a cooler of sandwiches and take me into the game. And I'd be for whatever JV, varsity, and then the boys' varsity game. I'd be at all of them, no matter where they were. And again, I just couldn't wait to get out and shoot at halftime. Like that was that was my jam. So you were that kid. I, I that was me. you know. Yeah. It's interesting. Our, so I, I coach at San Domenico. We're in the Bay Counties League. The way we do it is the boys play at one gym and the girls play at the opposite gym. Yeah. So like last night we played university. The boys played San Domenico. Boys played university at San Domenico. We played at university. Mm-hmm. And they do that because they, they want the JV. The varsity coaches want to watch their JV teams play before oh, them. Okay. I, I personally think the way that MCAL does it is so much better more fun yeah i agree the boys and girls varsities play back to back go ahead duffy i agree and and disagree dave because i have now for every game i have to travel to the away site to watch holden's frost team play and then hustle to get back to the other site for the varsity and then i miss some of the girls game because i'm late so i don't know to quote our last guest jonas honick it's it's not not about me okay all right (laughs) move on move on yeah Let's get going here. We play, we play Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and the boys play Monday, Wednesday, Friday. They cram our league into like a four week period. It's really unfortunate. And so uh, back to every week, you're playing back to back league games. I've had four games in six days this last week. And today we're not practicing. We're going to do two hour film session, which won't be really fun. Two hours. Bodies need a break. So. We're, I told them, you know, wear your sweats to practice today and be cozy because we're going to get into some film, deep dive into film today. So your own mm-hmm. film or or other or other teams or both. Today is our own film. So today is our own film. Okay, we've talked a lot about film in this, as you know, Carrie. <laughs> All right, my last question for you on the pre high school, Carrie Barrett. Did you play against boys ever? I know you said in uh, soccer you did sometimes, but did you ever play hoops against soccer boys? when I was young? Yeah, I think I, there wasn't, no, I think we got, I got more into playing pickup with the guys at the high school when I was in high school. Okay. And then when I got to college, oh my gosh, that was amazing. The RSF, which is the, yeah. the rec facility Cal. at Cal. Sure. Then I played with men every day and that was fantastic, but I just didn't have that you know, in, in Novato, I kind of lived a little bit further out from, yeah. uh, there, there just wasn't a lot of pickup opportunity for me. I think if I had found it, I would have embraced it, but that came gotcha. later. Okay. Let's, let's talk about playing for Novato. I actually recently was introduced to Ron Wheatley. I'd never met him before. I've heard of him. Fulton and I hung out with him. Great guy spoke Great. glowingly of you. You played for him. He's one of the winningest coaches in girls MCAL histories, won everything you could imagine. Talk about playing for Ron. He's great. I actually just talked to him yesterday for like an hour. You know, I needed to pick his brain about some stuff. And he is very detailed, very organized, disciplined, instilled a lot of that into us as his with the teams. We played fast and disciplined. And together that's quite a that's quite a, a good combo. Combat. Yeah, quite a good combo. And I have to say, a great X's and O coach, but really drilled the fundamentals with us. And he used to bring me into the gym. He actually had me playing when I think I was in sixth grade in the summer with with some of his teams. So another thing that he did early, 
he used to do a three on three night in the summer. So I guess that is kind of like pickup ball. Um, sure. Yeah. You, and he would invite the top teams in the area to come into the gym. And the team that we ended up facing in the NorCal finals, I'm sorry, CIF finals, both in, in 89 and 90, he would call those teams up in the off season and say, come into, come into our gym and play three on three in the summer. Awesome. So you would walk in. It was not a friendly atmosphere. It was like a playoff intense atmosphere playing Super three on three in the middle of July in a hot gym. So he really just wanted us to learn how to move without the ball and, and get that chemistry with each other. So he was fantastic. And another thing that he was really well ahead of his time in was the whole mental toughness training. He made us do a class with him where we went and sat in a classroom an hour a day for about a week. It was like a boot camp. We would practice and then go sit and do mental training. And the stuff he did is, you know, now it's like so common, but at the time he was so ahead of his his day and, and having us do that, you know, just you know, your attitude is your control and, you know, how do you respond to things? What's your power, goal setting, all of these things. He instilled that into us at that young age. And that had a tremendous impact on me, not just as an athlete, but just for life. Yeah. Did he have you visualize with that part yeah, of it? A lot of, we did a lot of stuff like that. A lot of stuff like that. So he was definitely ahead of his time and pushing that stuff. They, his team was, was it 1986? They were 35 and 0 state championship yeah. team. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. were were you part of that team? I was not part of that team, but I was sitting on the bench during the game because he knew the next generation coming up and he had us he strung us along. I think we sat right behind the bench because I think I don't think we legally could sit on the bench, but we sat literally in the seats right behind that team as they won the state title. But Kerry was shooting at halftime. For sure. I wasn't allowed. It was at the Arco Arena back in the day, and they wouldn't let us on at halftime. <laughs> that's that's a tragedy, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you, you're playing for Ron. You make a dumb play. You make a mistake. Are you getting pulled, or are you getting a You're not full, getting pulled, no. Uh, I mean, he's holding you accountable, but you're not getting pulled. He would give you the freedom to make those mistakes. Well, you, you knew you made a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all right. I, I love that fast and disciplined that's yeah that's that's really cool we were talking to tyler gaffney which i one of my favorite interviews of the ones that we've done and he was talking about he loves watching swarthmore college a small division three school yeah um, and he basically said the same thing that they play they play really fast but they play really fundamental yeah um and that's a that's a tough balance to strike as a, as it, a coach. It, yeah it took a lot a lot of pra- we had long practices for sure long practices. I want to, I want to get to your, your practices in a, in a second, but so I'm curious. So the MCAL at your time, you guys were really good. I assume you were battling with Centerfell a lot and that, that great team. Uh, who um, else was, were the good teams in the MCAL? In your years? So my first two years, so my freshman and sophomore year, the, our biggest competition was Drake. We knew Centerfell was the up and coming team. Right. Um, but Drake was and Redwood was actually pretty good. The, M- the MCAL was very deep, very yeah. deep. A lot of great players, a lot of great teams, great coaches. And then my junior and senior year, San Rafael was was the the team. So it kind of shifted. It, yeah. it shifted. Yeah. So and it, it was my sophomore year was our best team. That was with the the Vandatorns and 
Perk and, you know, yeah. uh, Cindy Fife, who just was a total floor general out there for us and Stephanie Halcrow. I mean, it was a great team. It was a great team. So Carrie, how tall were you in high school? Six feet. Okay. So what did you play? My freshman and sophomore year, I played the five. My junior year, I came out and played the three. And then my senior year, I had to go back in the post. Okay. So what was your, where where would you score from? Were you kind of mid-range? I uh, was definitely a rebounder, like hard on the glass. It's funny. I've been listening to some of your other podcasts and I was like, oh yeah, the the jump hook. <laughs> it seems to Brooks be very Smith. effective. Definitely mid-range. My three ball came later. My three okay. ball came later. So, yeah. All right. Around talk about your, dis- discuss your recruiting journey. So you're, you're getting some, uh, like your teams are good. You were all league, you know, all that stuff. Did you get recruited? I had, I was a tweener because I was six feet tall and mm. I mean, my junior year, so Ron put me out on the, at the three, because he said, if you want to play next level, you're going to be out here. And that was a great year for me and really expanded my game. He retired, he left. So I had a different coach my senior year and he came to me and said, I need you to go back inside because just how we were built. And I was happy to do it. And I did bring the ball up a lot too, as the, as the five, which was, which was fine. I think from a recruiting standpoint, club basketball really just was starting around that time. I also went to, I got invited at that time to Blue Star Camps. So I went to those every summer and those were, you know, you'd stay overnight and all you did was just play. All you did was play and it, the crowd was just all college coaches. So coaches, right. that was where I was getting noticed, I think. And then in between my junior and senior year, I did go and play club basketball and that with Blue Stars where I think I got a lot of recognition or, you know, got seen. Some and then, then I started getting, you know, then I got all the, the interest. Heavily recruited out of the Ivy League because I had, I had good grades. So I could play out there. And I thought that's where I was going to go, honestly. Okay. I thought that that was where I was going to go. Did a lot of looks at schools in California but I think because I was that tweener and, you know, am I a three? Am I a four? Am I a five? You know, I wasn't big enough to be a center. My outside game hadn't really, when you watched me play, I wasn't showcasing, you know, being a wing. You know, I was, I was getting in the paint and, you know, pow, you know, having my way in there. So yeah. I think there were a lot of questions about me. Yeah, go ahead. No, I think this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but I, like hopefully it's okay to ask this now. Now your own experience of being a tweener when you were looking at college, how has that impacted what you've done with Kylie and her development? Uh, my daughter. Yeah, we put the ball in her hands when she was seven and said, "You're a point guard." <laughs> so she, I figured that might be the case. She's been on. Yeah. She's been the guard. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So even yeah. if she's six eight, she's going to be a point guard. Well, no, she'll go in. She she. What happened with her is. From really young, she was very comfortable handling the ball. And then we put her on a boys club team and she was a head taller than all the boys at that age. So then they put her in in the center and that actually was great for her because she got really tough down on the block and learned how to rebound and learned how to use her body. So it was a good combination. And now that she's back with, with girls, she's playing a lot of, right now she's playing like a one, two, three, but I can swing her into the four if needed. So, 
Just depends. Oh, awesome. Yeah. We're going to positionless gonna basketball. Yeah. yeah. That's what we, that's what you're trying to do. Yeah. 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 Um, absolutely. So Carrie, you're, you're getting interest from Ivy's other schools. How do you make the decision to, to go walk on at Cal? You know, I, I ended up taking a recruiting trip to Cal and I at first was like, it's right, you know, it's 45 minutes from my house. I always had envisioned colleges like you go away somewhere. And I think I had that picture in my mind. When I'd been over to Berkeley, I'd only really seen Telegraph Avenue. So I also had that picture in my mind. And they were really smart. They brought in brought in a, a recruiting group for a weekend and it happened to be the 1991 UW versus Cal Pac-10 football game weekend. And they were both, vi- it was going to decide who wins the Pac-10 that year. Cal was actually, Cal actually had a really good football team that year. Wait a minute, Cal had a good football team? Cal had a really good football team that year. Just uh, Yeah. And Russell White, you know, he was like, oh, totally. Yeah, like, running back. it's a game and, you know, yeah. all kind of stuff. So the entire campus was so energized. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And then the game was incredible. The, you know, I got to go to practices, hang out with the team. It was so fun. And I was like, I thought like every weekend was like that at Cal. So I'm like, this is where I want to go to school. And, you know, such a great academic institution. And when it kind of came down to making that decision at the end, I did decide at the last minute, I went, you know, it is important to me to look up in the stands and see my parents at games. I didn't think that that was something that I was going to factor in, but it, what I did. And I, I had an opportunity to go there and I thought, yeah, you know what? And they, they said to me, you're a tweener. We're, we don't have a scholarship for you. We don't know. And I don't know if it was arrogance or stupidity or, you know, lack of experience, but I'm like, oh, that's fine. I, I'm going to go in there and I'll get my scholarship. I have no, I had no worries. So. I love it. So how much of a factor was style of play and, and coach? So was it Marianne Stanley? Was she there? No, that was Gooch Foster. Okay. Gooch Foster. Yeah. yeah. I had a coach, Denise Curry, who uh, played at UCLA. She was an All-American at UCLA. She was an Olympian. Phenomenal phenomenal basketball player and she's was the assistant coach at Cal and she saw a lot of what how her game was she was the one that really believed in me and and still to this day like she's just she's fantastic so awesome she was the one that kind of I think nudged me into the the program and went to bat for me very cool very cool and so you get there you walk on campus you start playing hoops how do you stack up as a freshman against that team? That team was really talented. We did beat Stanford that year. I think that was one move of your on. We don't uh, need to talk about that anymore. Uh, we went to the NC2A tournament. At that time, the field was only 32. And we went and we went out and beat Kansas at Kansas. And then we went to Villanova, who was at the time ranked number one in the nation. And we took them down to the wire, but we lost that game. We had an all-American point guard, Melitza Vukadinovic from Yugoslavia, yeah. who was phenomenal. And the game was just, I think at every level, the game's just faster, bigger. And so initially, you know, that was an adjustment, but I just, you know, kept working hard and they, they recruited me to play the three. So that's where I was playing. I actually ended up starting, we had an injury and I ended up starting two games up at Oregon and Oregon state as a (laughs) walk-on. My goal that year was 
there were 16 players on the team and only 12 could travel uh, on away games. And my goal was I was going to make every single travel team. And, and that was, that was how I was met. That was my goal for that season. And then what ended up happening is we had another international player that ended up not returning the next year. And she played the four and there was a hole in that position. And so they ended up, I ended up as the power forward as an undersized power forward for the next three years. But we had, they adapted their system to fit like more of a four out, you know, I was the trailer, you know, I was, I was the blue collar worker. I was the, you know, go guard that really good player and run up and down the court. And that was a big part of my game too, was I learned that because of, I was undersized in the post, I had to really work to be in the best possible shape I could get in because, and I would sprint as hard as I could up and down the floor because I figured six, five can't guard if she can't catch me. And if nothing else, I'm going to make her tired and it would work, but then, you know, I, they'd sub her out and I'd look and there's another six, five coming in, <laughs> especially Stanford and Oregon. I was like, Oh my God, where are all, all these, size. all this size coming? I'd be like, yes, finally she's going out. And then there's another one coming in and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> but, but I think that also really launched me into, you know, strength and conditioning and, and understanding like how important my fitness and taking care of my body was, was going to, how it impacted my game and leveled the playing field yeah. for me at that level. So go Duff. Oh, I just want to clarify, Dave, that uh, this victory of Cal over Stanford in uh, what I believe was the Mountain West Conference, it occurred before your arrival on campus. At the farm, that's, is that great? I'm th- thank Fair you for that. That that's that's critical, and you know we all know that Tara setting the record that I had a huge part of. Amazing, that. yeah, right. yeah. Carrie, it's funny you talk about that. I used to one of the things that I did, which was a sign of a future as a podcaster. But when I was the practice player for the Stanford women's team, I loved going to the post game press conferences. Oh yeah. So uh-huh. I, I we we the game would end. We go back yeah. in the locker room. We yeah. have a quick talk, and then Tara and two of the players would go to the press conference, yeah. uh-huh. and I would always just kind of tag along and stand in the back because I just loved listening. And I remember there was one opposing coach, might have been like Montana State or you know like a preseason game, and he basically was saying what you're saying. He's like, you know, we thought we were fine, and then Olympia Scott gets in foul trouble oh, yeah, and goes Olympia. out, <laughs> and then they bring in Naomi Mulatawapele, who's awesome. He's like. Basically, like, what the f? What do we have to do? Yeah, like, they I just know, have like, a constant stream of six four talented girls yeah. coming in. It, it literally, like, the two that stuck out during my time, it was yeah, it was Stanford and in Oregon, where I'm like, oh my god, another six six girl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's that's kind of how teams feel in the MCAL playing against the Branson boys right now. It's like, oh really? They just okay. keep throwing really talented Five, yeah. athletic players at you. It's like enough. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay, so. Now you, you're no longer a walk-on, Carrie. You get a scholarship. I got it. And yeah. So, so just just discuss the rest of your experience playing at Cal. And you were a starter for three years. You were team captain. Mm-hmm. First of all, was Gooch Foster your coach the whole time? Gooch was there the entire time, and then she retired my my senior year. And I actually got asked to be on the hiring committee to help hire the new coach, and that was Marianne Stanley. So I was a student uh, representative. They thought I was a good bridge for that since I was close to the team, but did not have any eligibility left. So, but yeah, playing at Cal was phenomenal. I couldn't ask for a better, 
uh, I wish we'd won more games. We were a good team, but in a fantastic conference at that time. You know, USC was unbelievable with Lisa Leslie, UW, Arizona, Ada Barnes, Stanford, always cream of the crop. UCLA was un- unreal with Natalie Williams. I mean, it was just every game was was intense. So it was a great time for at that time Pac-10 basketball. So and you know, slowly. even today. It's a it's a shame because the I I think the best top to bottom conference in women's college basketball right now is the Pac twelve. I I would absolutely agree. I've watched a uh, lot of games this season and it's me, amazing. It's amazing and yeah. it just sucks that that conference is going away and there's going to be the diaspora of these teams. I, I'm really really um, sad about it. But. but listeners, watch women's college basketball right now. It's 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 always been great. It's really great right now. And particularly the Pac-12. Colorado is awesome. Utah is awesome. USC is amazing. USCLA is great. Stanford's great. Charm is doing a great job at Cal. You know, Washington has talent. Oregon State's really good. Like there are a bunch of really good schools and really fun basketball to watch. It's the best time, I think, to be a part of women's athletics and women's basketball. You know, we've come so far. It's there's still a lot of work to be done, but it is right now the the most exciting that I think it's ever been. I mean, I'm getting I'm getting calls from people asking me, do you have a link to can we get UCLA women's basketball tickets because the games are sold out and we can't get tickets, you know, and I'm yeah. going, yeah, sorry, <laughs> it's sold out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's jump to your post playing career. And I want to specifically hone in on your 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 being a strength and conditioning coach. So I don't know if all of our younger players listening to this know that colleges have strength and conditioning coaches who are specifically tailored to make their players stronger, better in shape. It's a holistic approach, right? So so yeah. discuss that role and, and how you liked it. Yeah, I, I was, Cal was so good to me and continues to be so good to me. <laughs> so I was really fortunate when Marianne was hired I was finishing up my degree and I was just, I was a gym rat and I just was in the habit of, you know, just constantly stopping by the office. What, you know, do you need any help today? What do you need? And I ended up taking my last final and went down to the gym because that's just how I am. And uh, she's like, you just finished your last final, right? And I said, yeah. She goes, so you're officially graduated. I said, yeah. She goes, go to HR. There's paperwork waiting for you to sign. I'm bringing you on as a coach. I'm like, okay. So I went and literally sign in. I was a coach as of, you know, whatever, December, whatever day. And so I spent the rest of that season coaching. Marianne was unbelievable from an X and O standpoint. I've never seen anybody like her. And I learned so much from just, just, I mean, she was just incredible and she really took me under her wing. And so at the end of that season, she sat me down and she said, I think you could be a really good coach. Do you want to do you want to do this? Because I can get you in with some different coaching staffs and I think you need to expand and, and move on from Cal. And at that point, I wanted to stick close to home. And at the same time, I'd, I'd already been in, very involved in, in exercise physiology and there was a turnover happening with the football team at that time. And so they were bringing in a whole new football staff and strength and conditioning staff. And the trainers had had already talked to me and said, we think you should consider joining that staff as a strength and conditioning coach. 
I ended up meeting with the guy who got hired for the football strength and conditioning coach. We hit it off. He offered me a role and I became the graduate strength coach. So they paid for me to go get my master's degree. And because of my ties with women's basketball, obviously, you very rarely have a, you know, green first year graduate strength and conditioning coach running women's basketball. It's usually somebody pretty high up. But because of my background and relationship with the team, they stuck me with basketball. And so, or I was, didn't stick me. I was able to, I was able to stick with basketball. I was really, really fortunate. So I ended up still being a part of Marianne's staff, but with a different role. And uh, basically strength and conditioning is athletic development. So my office was in the weight room. And I also had water polo, softball, golf, tennis. I mean, I helped with football. We had 6 a.m. spring trainings. You know, I was the lowest on the totem pole at that time. So I was the one that had to show up at 5 a.m. and open up the locker room and get all the equipment out on the field for a 6 a.m. workout. And then I was going to school at night. So my learning curve for two years was just unbelievable in terms of just really developing that athletic development side, but then still being able to be dialed in with basketball too and be a part of that program. So it was a great two years as a graduate assistant. And when I finished my degree, they hired me as a full-time assistant. So it was a lot of fun. It 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 was challenging, but it was great. Carrie, can you talk a little bit about your difference in approach with strength and conditioning when you're working with men versus women or say football versus water polo? Like, you know, how does that work in terms of what you, you know, focus on and maybe speak to what might be unique with basketball? I think it's not so much in terms of athletic development, it's more sports specificity and and sitting down. What I really enjoyed was learning the different sports and I would sit down with, with the coaches and I watch a lot of their practices. I watch a lot of their games, you know, what kind of talk with the trainers. We were under the sports medicine umbrella. What are the common injuries that we see, you know, like a water polo player versus a soccer player, right? It's going to be different injuries that you're going to see. So where can we help to build up that athlete to prevent the injury? Where can we help to put them in the best position to be successful on the field or pool or court? You know, like with baseball, you're going to train a catcher a lot differently than you're going to train a pitcher. And, you know, are you a speed player? Are you a power player? So I think from an athletic development standpoint, it was more sport to sport. In terms of coaching men versus women, I found, I used to think when I was an athlete, I just was like, there's no real difference between coaching men and women. But then as a coach and being a part of that, there was absolutely a huge difference. And what I learned was that men are happy to win and women have to be happy to win. So, you know, with the women's programs, it was more about developing that relationship and that trust. With guys, I think I could just tell them, this is going to get you better. And they they just respond. They could compartmentalize a little bit differently. Um, so I was really fortunate to be a part of a lot of national championship teams. Like I have a a lot of national championship rings. I've got one men's water polo, softball, you know, different yeah. ones like that. And, and, you know, after Cal carrying on my career at UCLA and that just opened up the door for a whole nother level of, of coaching excellence with mentorship, working with Jill Ellis, who ended up as the national coach for women's soccer. I worked with her for five years, Adam Krikorian with both men and women's water polo. And he's the Olympic coach for the women's team. And just 
getting to be around that level of excellence and, and learning from them as well. It, it was, it was, you know, I always try to learn. I, every day I'm, I'm trying to learn from, from the people I work with and coaches and athletes I'm exposed to. So there's a, been a big focus in the last couple of years, particular on sleep and the importance of sleep, mm-hmm. nutrition, obviously. Back when you were starting as a strength and conditioning coach and through your years at UCLA, did you incorporate sleep, nutrition into your training regimen or was it more focused just on kind of weightlifting and cardio and that stuff? I think you try to approach it from a whole athlete standpoint. And I think even now, so more so now than back when I first started, I think there's a lot more put on the mental training side as well. Yeah. And again, I, I've been fortunate with my connections like at UCLA, Corey Close at UCLA does so much yeah. with the mental training side and has women's, been- She's the women's coach, women's coach at UCLA. Women's basketball coach. And she's been like, she sent me their whole packet and <laughs> here's what we were doing. And especially during COVID, you know, they were, UCLA was reading a book called It, called it Takes What It Takes. And it was all about mental training. And so my team, we read it alongside the UCLA women's team. And she sent us our whole entire discussion packet because we were doing Zoom calls then, you know, it was really difficult. But yeah, I think there's a much bigger approach these days to the whole athlete and looking at all those components uh, more so than when I first started. But yeah, we had a new Cal, we did UCLA had a full-time nutritionist on staff that really helped. I think everybody does now, but back when I was doing that. So I went down to UCLA in 2002. So, yeah. Yeah. And you were just to close the loop on your Cal experience. So Karen Horsmeyer was Mm -hmm. a basketball coach while you were a strength and conditioning coach. Yes. So I I was there, Marianne, and then Karen came in. Karen was phenomenal. And uh, Kirsten McKnight was on the staff too. So and Marin, great. Which she, is, she'll be on the podcast. I was just texting with her. Oh my gosh, she's her. amazing. So yeah. I think I mentioned to you earlier, she's the only player that I played against every level. So CYO, high school, college, and then we finally got to work together. And yeah, you know, it, it, and I see her out on the club circuit and stuff like that. And you know, we still communicate. So it's been great. Yeah, so Karen was fantastic. And then I got an offer to go down to UCLA and be the associate head. So that was really hard to leave Cal, but I made that I'm decision. Sure. It was the right time in my life to do that for, you know, not just yeah. not just career decisions, but personal decisions too. So that ended up being a really great move for me. So 10 years now, you've been at San Clemente High School. Mm-hmm. So you go from super successful player, awesome college level coach, and now you're coaching at the high school level. Describe your your coaching style. Oh my gosh. I think I try to pull in from Stone. I've been fortunate being a, being in, in athletic development and working with so many great coaches over the years and also coaches that maybe weren't so great. You learn from everybody. I think I've tried to pull in a lot of 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 the the positives and in, in the way of doing things that I learned from these amazing coaches that I was exposed to through strength and conditioning. And I think I try to be a, the kind of coach that I would have wanted to play for. So somebody that's going to hold me accountable, but definitely really foster relationships more so yeah. put that first, you know, and kind of teach life values through the game of basketball. I know that sounds cliche, but really it's, it's about, I want my, my athletes to have a full high school experience and to come out on the other side, like, you know, having 
really been happy, part of a positive culture at the school and at, in the program, leaving it all out there on the floor, but you know, being really proud of who they are as, as an individual, as well as, you know, as a player. So. Awesome. I, I'd play for you. Go ahead, Duff. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Especially my father said to me not that long ago, he said, I don't know if he borrowed this quote or not. He said, good coaches make better players, great coaches make better people, right? And that's kind of why we're doing it, right? As, you know, and however we can. Yeah, that's the hope. And I think, you know, coaching at a public school too, um, we're really, San Clemente is such a unique town. We're sort of a peninsula because we're, we're buffered up, bump up against the military base and then the ocean. So the kids that grow up here go to, the, there's only one public school, public high school in town. So there's, you know, over 3,000 kids at this one school. And they've grown up, you should see our football games on Friday nights. You know, it's unbelievable. We closed down homecoming. They closed down downtown. There's a parade every single team marches in the parade and has a float. You know, it's, it really, our motto is one town, one team. And it really is that way. And it's a a unique community feel here. So I've been really fortunate that a lot of my great athletes stay home and play at the public school, as opposed to getting recruited to all the local privates. And, And it's just a really special, special place. And I think it's because we do focus on the character and the hometown feel and, and that, you know, it's just, a, it's a really unique town and a lot of fun. So I know it's been a while since you've been around Northern California hoops, but my, my observation and coaching a Northern California team, playing in a Southern California tournament, playing against Southern California teams is Southern California hoops is a little bit better than Northern California. hoops. I don't know if that's fair to say. <laughs> okay, you said that, not me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what, what's your, what's your take on the quality of play that you're seeing in your, I think Southern California, I think across the board, you know, I, I have my son plays baseball. My daughter played soccer. Also, I mean, my son played basketball for a while. We're in this like youth sports on steroids environment, huge population here, quality, the coaching, the access, the the trainers, the facilities. I mean, it's just phenomenal. It's almost too much because I think it, you know, we could have a whole nother discussion on, you know, youth programs and club basketball and how that might be turning too much into a business and destroying, you know, the yeah. game a little bit. But on the flip side, like the quality of, of basketball, the talent level is just unbelievable. So yeah, it's, um, it, it's pretty, I mean, you look at the football, you have the top number one and number two in the nation, you know, 15 minutes from each other at the yeah. high school level. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You look at women's basketball, you know, we've got really some high level quality teams all within, you know, driving distance of each other right here. So, so it, I will say, Carrie, yeah. the number one women's team in the country I know. is a Northern California it team. It is, and they're phenomenal. Yeah. Sue Phillips. Yeah. Sue Phillips, amazing coach, one of my favorite people to listen to and learn from. So, so the the kids that you're coaching now, mm-hmm. your your high schoolers, are they working with skills trainers? Yes. So that seems to be table stakes now for for kids, yeah. right? We've mm-hmm. talked a lot about it up here. We have some great skills trainers in the county. I assume you have excellent access to coaches down there. Yeah. How do they do it? Do they work individually? Do you have them go as a team and work with? Skills trainers, what's your approach there? Both. So 
some of them, I'll bring in skills trainers to some of my sessions and just, I, I think it's nice to expose them to different voices, different ways of doing it. I get tired of hearing my voice. So I definitely know my players get tired of hearing my voice. So I think it's refreshing to every now and then bring in a, a skills trainer to come in. So we've got a couple guys in the area that we use. I'm also fortunate that we've got some local players, some alumni that played at high levels that are still in town and, you know, have young kids on their own and want to come in and help and can still get up and down the court. So I've got like some phenomenal players that come in and volunteer their time to work with some of my girls. So I've been fortunate, really fortunate with that. And some of them do, and then they'll, they'll set up their own trainings as well. Yeah. I, we were just talking about this with, with Hanek and it reminded me of, you know, Duffy's high school time too. Like w- when I was at Branson Saturday mornings, Hanek would bring in a bunch of alums. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I thought they were old guys. They were 25, 27, yeah. whatever. And they would, we just play pickup on Saturdays and they would just beat us up. Um, yeah. And it was kind of miserable, but also pretty great. And Duff, I remember, you know, Mike Fulton would play against you in practice, right? At, at MA. And yeah, Mike well. and, and Chris Fulton and Doug DeVore. Yeah, uh, yeah these, these were pretty good. They would, uh, yeah, they would take us to the woodshed. That's for sure. Yeah, I was have good. A, my, one of my assistant coaches, Erin Alexander, played in the WNBA. And she gets, she laces them wow. up and goes against my guards and couldn't ask for a more phenomenal assistant coach. <laughs> she's, she's so skilled and knowledgeable and amazing yeah. and and she played yes. at UC Santa Barbara's retired, you know, Hall of Fame at UCSB and played in the WNBA and she's a, a paramedic firefighter here. And so she's phenomenal. But she'll come in and lace them up and let's go, girls. So couldn't ask for anything better than that. Amazing. Love that. Go ahead, Duff. It's not on the script, Dave, but I would like to ask Carrie, before we bring in her husband, Julian, I'd like to ask Carrie if she has a favorite drill that she, she runs with her team. There can be it's more than one. Time. It's in the crunch time script, Duffy. Oh, it's it's not a crunch time uh, question because we we have to have some back and forth on it. Sorry. I I have a couple of favorite drills. So, and my players, I I love drills that have a little bit of a competitiveness to it. So, eleven man break is is amazing. And What's that? Uh, describe that one. Oh my gosh, it's a con- It's a hustle drill. So it's just a constant three on two. And there's Again, one yeah. shot that's taken and whoever made or missed, whoever gets the rebound, whether it goes through the net or it comes off, if you get your own, you're turning and you're going back down the other way, three on two. And so you're rewarded by, you know, hustling and stay, you get to stay on the court. And I always put like a point value system to it, you know, and late, lately I've been giving two points for an assist, which is the, you know, everything else is like a deflection or a rebound or a hustle or mm-hmm dot or a, a make is just worth one but it, and so it's actually becoming comical because now they're just pa- overpassing everything because they want the two points but it's great so if they hook somebody up and she misses it like the whole oh my god you know it's it's really competitive and that one's been a lot of fun you and run that a, as two teams so you have like two teams that are like no, continuous indiv- individual okay individual points individual. Right, so you need at least 11 players to run it but it's a constant three on two. So it's just up and down and there's no out of bounds. So sometimes that can get a little dicey when the ball's over, you know, 
way in the corner and they're diving for it because, you know, you want to stay on the court. Right. Um, so that's a super fun drill. And the other one I love, we got it uh, from Corey Closeup at UCLA. So we call it UCLA rebounding. And that one's a team drill. And it starts with um, the, you, you go for like whatever amount of time, four minutes. So, you know, you divide up into, you know, red and black teams and you've got to make one pass to the wing and then a skip pass. And it's an uncontested three from the opposite side. And you've got on the baseline is the defense coming out and there's only two of them. So it's a three on two, but you give up an uncontested three and the other two are rebounding. Got to box out. Got to box out. If they hit the three, they get two points and you just keep it going on the scoreboard and the drill resets. If they miss, it's live. If they, if offense gets the ball, they keep playing it out. They get one point for a putback. And if defense catches it, they just put the ball on the ground and the, you know, get back in line and the, the drill resets. So it gets really competitive. So you go four minutes, one team completely on offense, one team completely on defense. And then, at, then the other team gets to defend and, and they three. get four points and it gets really, really competitive. And it's one of my team's favorite drills. Is there a point value to a defensive rebound? Nope. You only score when you're on offense. Okay. So, but you need to get. You need to get those rebounds. And then you kind of know when you step out, like how many points yeah. you need to get to win the, to win. And they the, limit the damage. defending. I mean, it gets really physical. So And will you rotate people on offensive defense sort of each each possession so that you have like yeah. four yeah, okay. All right. So I have fourteen on my team right now, so we go seven on seven. But there's only so each po- Yeah, there's a line at the top that you know line it's top like line at the baseline defense yeah defense will catch the ball and instead of you know giving it back up to the top they'll like throw it in the corner because you know they don't want they don't want black to get the ball again yeah you know, it gets a little chippy so we have to you have to kind of manage the girls <laughs> right the shooter carry the shooter can crash and rebound so it's a three yeah. two rebounding okay. yes so it, but the shooter is uncontested so the two are coming right. out picking up the the other two yeah yeah gotcha okay. That's yeah. that's awesome. I'm gonna I like I'm gonna that. use yeah. this one. Yeah, yeah we, we learned need to, that. We need to box out better. So that's we learned. It's, it's a really great team team, and we learned it at UCLA team camp. So that's why we call it UCLA rebound. So do you, do you guys do a lot of shooting in practice? A lot of skill work. At the beginning of the year, yeah, we will have you know two hour practices, and you know like thirty to forty five minutes is devoted to skill and shooting. Now that we're so heavy into games. Yeah, we, we practices are more gearing and prepping for the next game. So I'll open up the gym at other times for those that want to come in and get more shots up. But we try to incorporate that every day. But I'll do a lot more of it in the in the preseason versus now. So yep. got a little bit shorter it. practices. I like to be a little more focused and, and respectful of their time too. Gotcha. Okay, Duff, do you want to bring in Julian? Should we bring in Julian? Do we yeah. want to bring him in? I Hell don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do a quick intro. So, yeah, Julian and, and Carrie have been uh, friends of mine and my and Angela's for quite some time. We haven't seen them recently as enough, enough as we should. So great to see you both, even though it's virtual. And, uh, yeah, you're looking good. Julian's got his front TMC T-shirt on. And so, yeah, Julian Husbands, he and I were in med school together at Penn. I believe we met maybe playing pickup at the Hutchinson gym, the Hutch at mm-hmm. first. He's also a Cal grad. 
Maybe Gimbal, one of the two. It might, it might have been Gimbal, yeah. And a good athlete, great athlete in his own right. Excellent tennis player. So I'm glad we established that tennis is a sport. It is. And, he uh, only had one good answer for that one. <laughs> and he and I played in rec leagues in Philly all the way through med school. Played some really high-level competition. Julian, I'm going to say that you are the best post-passer I've ever played with in many years of playing in rec leagues, but you are one of the more average free-throw shooters I've ever played with. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take so, it. Shots fun. So maybe we'll just start with you guys. You have two two kids who are both excellent athletes. Jamo, more of a baseball player, and then you got Kylie. You know, how do you guys handle, maybe Julian first and then Carrie, like how do you split up, you know, sort of the parent coaching fan, you know, deal? Because it's a lot, especially if you're dealing with kids that are getting recruited to the next level. Well, so I, I think er- early on when the kids were playing two sports a lot of the time, and I would be maybe coaching Jamo's baseball or Kylie's basketball, or and Carrie would be either coaching club or other things, like we would we would have to split up things based upon who could make what. And, you know, early on, our, our rule was they have to play two sports. You know, Carrie, in her talk, emphasized the importance of, of multi-sport athletes. And that's something that we did at home until they wanted to make their own decision. So JMO played basketball as a freshman and then decided to focus on baseball as a sophomore. And then Kylie decided to focus on soccer or sorry, basketball as a like an eighth grade or something. Yeah. So we have different sets of of kind of dynamics with both of them. Our son is tall and and a kind of more of a late bloomer, but he's got a tremendous ceiling depending upon how much he wants to work and and how strength and these kind of things come along. With Kylie, she was more advanced as a basketball player and a soccer player like earlier. So so she we 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 dealing with different kind of dynamics and the fact that we both coach and we see parents and we go to games and see, you know, like when you're, when, when you're a coach and you see parents doing crazy stuff, like you don't want to be that person, yeah. you know? And, 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 and as a coach, like you don't want that parent in the stands to make the team look bad. So I, I think in a sense, like we're very quiet at games and, and because we know like the different dimensions that other people don't because they don't have, kids at the same level, nor have they coached, uh, nor do they understand like how silly they look, depending on certain things they do. So our kids know that they're that we're there. But we try not we try to more fit in the background rather than, you know, I'm not gonna if if my kids do something like bad, I'll like be like, ew, you know, and that's his favorite. Yeah, like if Kylie misses a layup bad or game of, you know, gets thrown out by a, a mile. I'll, I'll make it clear, but I'm never going to say like, you know, shoot it <laughs> or, 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 you know, the types of things that you hear from parents that uh, you, you wish you didn't. Julian, what about if a ref handle... makes, oh, go ahead, Dave, please go ahead, Dave. No, I don't want to dominate that. I'm just curious, Julian, how you handle kind of post-game drive home, you know, you're, you're a coach as well as a dad, right? And so JMO, you're coming home after a game. Are you coaching him or are you just being supportive saying, I love you, you play great? I, so I was fortunate enough to have a fantastic sports parent. My, my, my mom was like kind of not as much because she didn't play a lot, but my dad like always would say the right things. So I, I, I try to just have the discussion and then let, let him or, or Kylie kind of talk about like what they thought in the game. 
and then kind of engage them based on how they want to communicate. So if either of the kids had a bad game, like I don't need to tell them that, you know, they know. Right. So, so, so if, if, if they want to understand like what I, what can I do better or those type of things, I, I try to just let them drive the discussion. And, and now with uh, Kylie on, on Carrie's team and, and we're in the car sometimes you know, after games, it, it's a different level. It's a different dynamic as well, because we would have different types of discussions when Kylie wasn't on the team. And, and now that she is, we have different discussions because they have to, you know, be appropriate. So, but it's great, you know, like sports is so central to our home, but we understand that it, it's a vehicle for life. You know, the kids are going to play until they don't play. Right. And, and and as long as they can get as much out of it as, as they can from a life lesson perspective, like that's the yeah. goal. And, and then trying, and, and we just see other, other families where undue pressure is exerted on, on, on kids and, and like, we don't want to do that either. So, so, so because we see things from multiple dimensions, I, I think we just try to be the type of parent that we would want. You know, Carrie was talking about trying to be the type of coach that she would want to have. I, I think similarly for, for sports, we try to sports parenting. We try to do the same. Awesome. Go ahead, Duff. I was going to ask, what about if you're not as a coach, but if, as a parent and you're, you're in a game and the officials are just awful, and they they make a call, say against Kylie, that you know the traveling call, and it just can you restrain yourself? Because sometimes I can't in that situation. But just wondering, how do you how do you approach that? I can because I used to be an official. I used to be a basketball ref and a softball umpire, so I kind of understand that too. You know, and, and as a basketball ref, I always thought the hardest call was like out of bounds underneath the basket. Like as a player, you always know. <laughs> but as a but as a ref, like it's 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 not always clear. Um, so, and I also see other parents that do it a lot more. You know, that look like idiots. So so occasionally I might I might utter something, but but it but it's you know we have more bad refs than good refs in general. So 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 I I just I don't want to be that parent. So so I, I do restrain myself because I see other parents, and then I also understand what it's like as ref. And like, you're not going to make every call. And some of the more egregious ones, you're like, come on, man, or, or woman, <laughs> but, but and for any kid, like, and that's another thing I try to do. I try to be balanced. Like I, I will, I will yell out positives to all the kids. And, and, and because I also think that's important when certain parents just kind of yell at their own kids or, or, or provide kind of support. I, I think that's not optimal either. Um, yeah, it's their choice. You know, that it's, it's my opinion. It's not fact, but I, I try to, and especially now, like I'm the guy who does the huddle recording. He films. Yeah, so I, that's, uh, so you got to be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So, so I have to be more reserved in my commentary like, than, than I would otherwise be. I have to constantly remind him everybody can hear this. Yeah. So, so if someone does something just, just so like clueless, like I have to, I have to, just keep it in, <laughs> which is hard. What about you, Carrie? If you're if you're a fan, and which probably doesn't happen anymore, but you know maybe at AAU tournament, or whatever, you know, can you can you restrain yourself with bad officiating? Yes. <laughs> you're both stronger. She said than I am. through right. gritted teeth. <laughs> yeah, Carrie, yeah. yeah. so, Carrie, in, in the stands of an AAU game, mm-hmm. are you quiet? Uh, not not talking about the ref, just talking about 
Kylie. She's playing. Je- you- yeah, I try to be. I try to just be positive and encouraging, and yeah. I I don't say a ton. Don't, and then after the coach. game, I just, just always just say, I just love you. Competed out there and love watching you play. Super love proud of you. She wants feedback. She asks for it. You know, every now and then, there's a few times where I'm like, I want so badly to tell her something, and I'll say, Do you want to have like a can I make like one or two coaching comments? And and sometimes she'll say yes. And sometimes she'll say no. And I just have to respect. Okay. And yeah. I'm not going to say anything and just, just be quiet. Just be, be the parent. No. Uh, I, I you guys play one-on-one either of you with, with Kylie. I haven't lately. No, I, I don't play as much anymore, Duff. That, that's all downside to yeah. me, probably. You know, like, I, 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 I could use my body. Now, Jameson but... and Kylie play one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the kids play one-on-one. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's that's them. awesome. Very cool. Duff, you got anything else for our friend Julian? Let's see. What do you admire about Carrie's game? And talk a little bit, because I know you guys, we played a little bit of half-court ball together back in the day. Do you, how much do you guys play hoops together and what do you admire about each other's games why don't we go there we we, we didn't play we we didn't play one-on-one a lot no. like we we did play together which was was fun played a lot at ucla together that was yeah, yeah. those were some yeah. great front we had lunchtime yeah. basketball at ucla the lba the lba all the coaches i got more work done at lba because i would see all my coaches there than i would during the day it was the Unbelievable runs at Polly at lunchtime basketball there. It was, and Julian would come in and be the special guest star, you know, a lot. Well, so I mean, there was, are there are legendary runs at Polly. I don't I don't know if you guys were in the same, you know, Magic Johnson's rolling down there, but they're we were, those games. Yeah, yeah that, that, that that was a different part of the campus. I figure. I figure. You, when the football coaches would come on, like yeah. that was Bienemy and those guys. That was oh, nice runs. Yeah. yeah, there were some really good runs. Don't post. Don't post Eric Bienemy up. He'll he'll crush you. Yeah, oh, no, the dude, that dude's thighs are like yeah, tree trunks. Good runs. But they liked Almost it like, when Julian would show up and play because they, you know, there was another big post guy to go against. That was a lot of fun. I would stay on the outside. My my outside game definitely developed a lot better, you know, from the lunchtime basketball league. Carrie, <laughs> you're a you're a KG veteran now. That's what happens. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> so if you're playing together in those games on the same team, who's gonna shoot more over the course of three to four games? She will. Yeah. Yeah. And who's going to make more? Duffy, I'm sure you've seen, you know, the Julian, the patented Julian, you know, baseline head fake, drop step, <laughs> you know, spin move. Like, there might Dave, be a I, involved. Yeah. 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 There's, there's, there's one, there's one that, that, that would work a lot. So, hey, that's one more move than I have, Julian. So ah. That's good. <laughs> awesome. Well, should we move, Duff? Should we move on to crunch time? Yeah, do crunch time. Maybe we can do them t- together. Although Julian, maybe some of the questions are not going to be relevant. But uh, yeah, let's let's jump into crunch time. Okay, Carrie, toughest player you ever played against in Marin? In Marin, well, Bravelli for sure was super tough. And the one she was ahead of me, but I got to play with her a little bit. She actually coached me for a year with Melissa King. So Amazing she player. One year at, at Cal, but she was unbelievable. So Karen, Karen talked about her at Santa Clara that she turned around the Santa Clara basketball program and the Santa Clara soccer program. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She was single-handedly. She was special. So she, she joined the Cal staff one year that I was when was there. I can't remember what year, but yeah, that was fun to have that Marine connection. And for Julian, toughest player you played against at Cal when you were there. Toughest player I played against at Cal. 
I would probably say Lamond. Lamond Murray. Murray, yeah. Yeah. Amazing he was so smooth and so long. And every once in a while, like I'd I'd get to play with with the guys on the varsity team. And 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 he just like I, I thought he was gonna just be transcendent with with his ability to shoot and defend. He's smooth. Yeah, he was really, really smooth. He was a great scorer. So were you there at the same time Kid was there? Yeah. yeah. Jason and I were freshmen together. Oh, cool. He could play a little bit. Just yeah, a little. Yeah. Heard him. Uh, okay. Same question for both of you. Carrie, we'll start with you. Toughest player you've ever played against overall. Don't say Duffy. Okay. I think Natalie Williams down at UCLA. She was yeah. All-American basketball, All-American volleyball could do anything and probably also one of the nicest players I ever played against like competitive but then classy so she she's one that sticks out her daughter right now oh my goodness so good Nation Williams remember that name class of 20 okay awesome Julian is Lamar Carrie really the answer again Carrie Husbands <laughs> oh great answer <laughs> they're gonna remain we're not, we're not yeah. touching that one that's a great answer that's um, smart, man. <laughs> but but actually there's another guy named uh james spears who who was like all state in football and basketball at this uh, reform school called glenn mills in, in in philadelphia and he wound up going to temple to play football i think and, and I, I was never more scared in my life because because it's a reform school is that the guy so, that wanted so, to fight you no 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 that that that, that was somebody else but 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 I was just like it, it was. I'd never been so afraid on a basketball court. And 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 then a guy came in for him after, who played on my high school team, who was the best player. I and mean, I could stand covering him because he had elbows and he was really good. Played a textile, like amazing player. And then when Randy came in, I was like, Woo-hoo! you don't have to cover Spears anymore. Yeah, <laughs> so that that was that was good. That's great. All right, Carrie, favorite Jim and Marin. Bringing you back. Uh, well, obviously, Novato. But second to that, I loved Redwood because we always had the playoffs there. Yeah. I always played well there. I liked it. It was a, a good how, environment. How about your favorite gym anywhere that you've ever played in? I really like UW. I don't know why. Heck Edmondson? Heck Ed? Yeah, I pl- I think I just, I just, it just had a, a nice feel to it. I always played well there. Yeah. Looked forward to I liked Seattle. So I, I just, I think I always enjoyed that gym. Yeah, I don't I think it's called heck ed. Though, uh, playing out at UConn was quite the experience too. So Gimple, yep. Yeah, awesome. sold out. You know, that was that was. We were one of the defeated on their very first undefeated <laughs> season. <laughs> okay, important question, Julian. I don't know. If, well, yeah, you went to Cal. Better burritos, Northern California or Southern California? Northern. I I would say uh, Mi Pueblo, the best burrito. Mm-hmm. Whenever we're up there, like we mm-hmm. drive in to get Mi Pueblo burritos. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess. The macho, man. And there's like a super macho. Like that, I think you might die if you eat one of those. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't have that. Yeah. It's so, so good. The family there this summer and our son just was like, this is the best burrito ever. So I agree. San Antonio, love Mi Pueblo. Okay. So that's big. That's big news that we're breaking here. Because these are some OC Southern California folks. Yeah. yeah, who know, who know their stuff. Burrito. Yeah, Duffy. Yeah. No, no. Okay, Carrie, your favorite Marin restaurant circa 1991. Oh, easy. Marin Joe's. 
nothing has changed by the way the same by the way it's the same yeah, stuff i right. love that that was always a special we would go there all the time like, with my family with my folks so. same bread and cheese too it's been sitting around since then Love <laughs> piano player yeah um, i know and i it's i love it icon iconic awesome and last thing is let's you know we're all a bunch of well at least three of us here are pack 10 people let's just have a moment to say thank you to the Pac-10 for existing. I know. That's it. Will it come back? Any chance? I don't know. No. No. I just I got my, uh, my friends just texted me the Stanford football schedule. Like, yeah, it's crazy, huh? We got, we got the Cal one, too. Cal one. Yeah. yeah. We're looking at that. You're going to make the trip out to Syracuse next year? I don't think yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Duffy, do you have anything else for our friends, the husbands here? Yeah, if you guys go out and play a game of horse, Right now, the two of you, who wins? She does. Yeah. Okay. I really haven't been petting the rock very much uh, with my back not being the the back that it was in the Even 20s and 30s. Even when the prime of his Shit. game. That was yeah. an excuse to yeah, Probably. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is, this is a podcast. You can say whatever you want. How about if you both awesome. get out on a short board and have to catch a wave in a minute? Who's, oh, who's, yeah, who's yeah. got that? Oh him. Yeah, right? That's yeah. fine. I don't I don't do cold very well. So yeah. yeah. And, and, and if we go if we go on a tennis court, like I can I can make her not be happy. Yeah. I can huh. I can make her a little silly. But but we don't do that very much either. I don't because I I, I, I I I like being married. Smart, smart man. Smart man. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's been a smart man. Yeah. Well, Carrie and Julian, awesome to meet you guys and to have you on. Carrie, thank you for sharing all of your insights. You're a Obviously, you you know this well. You're a total legend in Marin. I mention your name a lot when I people ask me, all right, who who's upcoming on the podcast? And I say, Carrie, husband's Carrie Barrett. I'm like, oh my God, Carrie Barrett, a legend. So thank you so much for your time. We'll be rooting for San Clemente High School. Hopefully, we'll see you guys in the state championships along with our San Domenico and Archie Williams boys teams. And we'll be excited to see your kids progress in their careers. Thank you. And yep. Julian, awesome to meet you. Thanks for the insights. Yep. Night, David. And he's a legend in many other ways. Well, we'll <laughs> we can get it. We can get into that another time. Obviously, I've been wanting okay. to bring my team up to a, like a tournament or a showcase or something in Marin. So I gotta maybe I'll That'd get one. Let's out. make that. Let's make that happen. You know, Marin Catholic has a really good girls tournament every year. I think we'll 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 work on making that happen because it would be awesome yeah. to have you bring them up here. So it'd be a lot of fun. Thank you so much, you guys. Right. And uh, Carrie, remember, d- no, don't hit any of the, don't hit any buttons. Yeah, yeah. Don't hit leave. Don't I heard anything. that. Yeah, yeah. Don't hit leave. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. See you guys. Thank you so much. All right. Dave, that was fun. Good to reconnect with Julian and Carrie. And nice to meet their dog remotely. Yes. His name? Pan- Pandemic. Pandemic. Yeah. Clever. Yeah, very clever. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great interview. What are your takeaways? Hit me with something, Dave. Thought Carrie and Julian were were awesome. A few things I liked. They pointed out the Ron Wheatley discussion that Carrie mentioned. They played fast and disciplined. Thought that was a a great combination. Something that I think a lot of teams strive for and don't always achieve. So I thought that was that was great. I also liked her quote when she was talking about being a strength and conditioning coach. That men are happy to win and women need to be happy to win. And I think that's a astute observation. So thought thought it was really fun to talk to her. And then I, I 
I'd never met, obviously hadn't met Julian before. He was great. I thought really cool perspective on, on being a parent. And again, we talked about this before they have some really talented kids, right? Kylie, super talented. And it sounds like Jameson, their, their son is also really good baseball, really good baseball player. So very athletic family. Yeah. Yeah. Julian is one of the louder individuals I've ever known and, you know, projects very well. So the whole idea that he's sitting there in the stands, you know, keeping his mouth totally shut is just kind of just funny for me to visualize that. Well, I was laughing Duff because when he mentioned that he's the guy who does the, the huddle videos for their team. And I was thinking about this because we actually, we had a situation where one of our family members on our team videoed our San Domenico game and the opposing coach asked for the video because their video didn't work and we sent it to her, but I was thinking, Oh God, I hope that this parent isn't like saying disparaging things about our opponent because we're sending it to him. So public service announcement to those of you parents or coaches who are filming, just remember that it's on film. Right. Or even like if it's the huddle that's set up in the gym, you as a fan, you better be aware of which side it's filming from. Right. You don't sit too close to that if you want to, you know, sort of say anything disparaging, <laughs> especially about the coaching staff of your own team. But yeah, that very good public service. I believe you can you can edit out the audio. Oh, okay. I think so. Good. Anyway, just a couple updates after this interview, which we did a couple weeks ago, Dave, uh, we touched base with Carrie and Julian and San Clemente won the league and they will be starting CIF Southern section playoffs on Thursday. That was probably yesterday against home game against El Dorado, El Dorado, sorry. And five of Carrie's players were named all league team, including Kylie who has an offer, we understand, from Cal. As a freshman. As a freshman. So, amazing. Legit. Yeah, awesome. Really appreciate Carrie and Julian joining us. That was a, a, a great conversation. And it would be awesome if we could find a way to get Carrie to bring her team up to play in Marin, as she mentioned. That would be, that'd yeah. be really cool. And just happy for them. She mentioned in an interview that they have been working up to this moment for quite a long yeah. time. Like She gets to coach her daughter you know, do something she loves. Her daughter gets, get to see her daughter really take off and become an amazing high school player and likely a college player. Yeah. And she's got three more years of it. So yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you, uh, Carrie and Julian. And thank you, Dave, as always, David. Thank you, Dustin. And, uh, thank you listeners and sponsors. Thank you to the hub. Thank you to Karen Horsmeyer, medium and Nike San Domenico camps and a couple other sponsors coming back soon, we think. And we we just appreciate everyone sticking with us and continuing to listen and support. This has been the Run TMC podcast, podcast about basketball in Marin County. Thanks. Burke's on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin. Marin County.